Today is a special crossover edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast as Jay Foster from Locked On Blue Jackets rejoins the show with Pat and I to discuss everything regarding the Columbus Blue Jackets from this past offseason, why Adam Fantilli is going to be an absolute handful for the Penguins for the next 10 to 15 years, and how the Blue Jackets were pretty busy during the offseason with a new coach and a couple trades for their blue line, and of course, some moves at Ford. All that plus so much more is on this edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Your Locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. We've got another squad cast. We've got another Metropolitan matchup. Uh, it's our favorite frenemies today. Uh, we've got Hunter and Pat over from Locked On Penguins. Um, we're going to talk about a bunch of fun stuff, but let's let's start off with the big one. Um, how do you think the Penguins offseason has gone so far, Hunter? I think it's gone, you know, obviously a lot better now that they have Eric Carlson. Beforehand, you know, they re-signed Tristan Jari to that five-year term. You, have, you bring in a bunch of bottom six forwards. You got Lars Eller in there, Matt Nieto, Noah Chari. All three very good defensively. Not going to bring you a ton of offense, but they're still going to improve the bottom six from last year. Then you go out and get Eric Carlson, a player who can provide a whole lot of offense to this team, especially from the blue line. It's not just going to be Chris Letang running the show from the blue line anymore. He's going to have a friend there to help him out, even though they'll be on separate pairings. Um, it's funny. When I looked at Dubis's offseason, I was discussing this with Pat just the other day. I had it at about a C plus after free agency. It's funny how two well about a month and a half can go by, and now it's probably up to an A minus B plus. I think he's done a really good job this offseason getting the bottom six back to I guess respectability. Even though they maybe won't score that much heading into the season, they're not going to allow the puck to be in the back of their own net this season as well. You added more offense to your back end. If Tristan Jari can stay healthy, he's one of, I think, the better goalies in the league. And if you can go out and maybe sign someone like Tomas Tatar, that's been rumored for the last week, week and a half, you can add him to your bottom six or even put him in your top six if you want to. Man, I mean, there's that's a really damn good offseason for Kyle Dubas, even though he's only been on the job for two and a half months. So I think he's done all he could. So far, he's also gotten out of some bad deals that Ron Hextall had traded for or signed, such as Jeff Petrie. He got out of Casey DeSmith, who I think is an adequate backup, but I think it was time to probably move on at that point. And then Mikhail Granlin, who Ron Hextall traded for, and that was an utter disaster. But I think overall, there's a lot to like about this offseason. I definitely see them as at least a playoff team right now heading into the season. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. Uh, and I, I've joked about it with Hunter on Locked On Penguins is – the joke side of it is Kyle Dubas pulled off the Twitter meme of all of our bad players for your good player. <laughs> but the serious distinction of it is the fact that he did something that we don't see in the National Hockey League really ever is he was able to clear out most of the mistakes of his predecessor without having to go into some kind of a teardown or a rebuild. So that's a really good sign for where the Penguins are. And bringing in Eric Carlson, uh, making sure that the bottom six is no longer at the very least going to get caved in defensively. They, they, they should try to get Tomas Tatar so they can put a little bit of a scoring punch in the bottom six. 
But the biggest issue with the bottom six this past year was the fact that they got caved in defensively. So now they're back to that. So, I mean, overall, it, it's a it's a really good offseason. And I do think this puts them right back in the playoff picture, despite, as always, the Metropolitan Division, division just being an absolute dogfight. Yeah, the Metro is going to be a nightmare again. I feel like it had a couple of years where it was kind of okay to be in the Metro. And now I'm looking at the teams. And I'm like, nah, we're going to have to going to have to fight like hell to get through to get through all of these teams. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the, the Eric Carlson trade a, a little bit more because I was shocked at the return that San Jose got. I guess they get out of, I believe you guys are still paying the like 10 million for Eric Carlson. So there's barely yeah. any salary retained. But the fact that Dubas basically gave up a first round pick and junk. Uh, like, how do you feel the trade went from from a, a Penguins point of view, Pat? I mean, it's an A plus to me because, like you said, I do think a lot of the focus on it though is more on Eric Carlson going to Pittsburgh because you look at the return that San Jose and Montreal got since it's a three way deal and think like, oh man, they, they didn't. They, they didn't get much for that, but I've said it to Hunter. I, I've said it everywhere. I've written about it. San Jose just did not have any leverage anymore. A contract that big and an off season where teams don't have a ton of cap space really limited what they could do. So, you know, the Penguins, despite making all the moves they made on July one and taking themselves over the, the upper limit, were still able to pull this trade off. And it doesn't help that not only did Eric Carlson, not only does Eric Carlson have such a large contract, he also had no movement. So he kind of had the control, even though he didn't say like, oh, I architected it so I could go to Pittsburgh. It was in his hands. So, you know, with San Jose going into a full rebuild and now having to move a contract that large, they just, exa- they, they did not have the leverage to get a maximum return but I think all things considered where they're going and where they want to end up, it's a good move because they got draft picks. They got guys they can flip at the deadline. They got guys who can help with some of their younger players. So overall, I think it's a great deal for the Penguins, a good ish deal for San Jose. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. I love it from a Penguins perspective. And it's funny, the first round pick that they gave up, I honestly think that pick was given up so that the Sharks would take on, you know, Granlin's contract and, you know, Jan Ruda and all that stuff. I don't think that was truly for Eric Carlson. I think it was just for a couple of contracts that the Penguins sent back, especially Granlin. You know, the fact that they got out of that full $5 million that he's going to be making for the next two years, that's a huge win. You get Eric Carlson back, which you know, that's the big part of the trade. But you get out of some of those bad deals, you bring him back. From a Sharks perspective, I understand what they were doing. They want the salary cap flexibility. They didn't really want to retain that much. It's funny. If you were Mike Greer, I honestly would have just wanted, he probably should have just wanted to retain as much as possible so that you get a higher return. But that's the ownership I don't think wanted to do that, which is understandable. It's their money. So they just didn't really want to retain. And that's why you see the Penguins paying him $10 million. That's a bit of a risk considering his injury history, but he's coming off a 100 point season. I expect him to be really good again this season. I don't know if he's going to hit hundred again, but maybe what 75, 80 points, perhaps more than that. I don't think it's going to get hundred, but I think somewhere in that range, the sharks, they're going to be set up to probably be at least decent again. 
in a few years. They can flip Mike Hoffman at the deadline. I thought, you know, getting him, even though the Canadians want to get out of that deal, that's a smart move. Gramlin, if he plays well this upcoming season, maybe get some top six minutes. I could maybe see him getting flipped at the deadline. Maybe the Sharks retain a little bit of money there or something. Jan Ruda, I think, is probably going to play top four minutes, considering their defense is really not that good. But I think from their perspective, they got what they wanted. It's just from an outside perspective, everyone else is like, holy crap, this return was so little because it was. But to the Sharks, they don't think so because, again, they feel like they accomplished their goal. Right, the Sharks kind of got what they needed, I think. The plan is to probably go in a couple of years and spend in free agency, um, which, good for them, you know? Uh, we'll see We'll see how it goes. Um, in a minute, we're going to flip a script here. Um, Hunter and Pat are going to ask me some questions about the Blue Jackets, who have also had a pretty uh, eventful off-season, I think it's fair to say. Uh, so we'll do that in just a second here on this very special Squadcast edition of Locked on Blue Jackets and Locked on Penguins. But first, uh, I've got to tell you guys all about FanDuel because football season is about to kick off. FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you're going to get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl. You could pick the Browns, the Bengals, maybe even the Steelers. I don't know that I would recommend that last one though. Uh, you're going to get bonus, bet- bonus bets for every regular season victory and you can use those bonus bets on spreads player props over unders and more so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets now with america's number one sports book that is fanduel.com slash locked on well we're back here on this special crossover of the locked on penguins and locked on blue jackets podcast so jay columbus quite a few moves this season they bring in mike babcock to be the head coach they trade for Ivan Provorov. They have the sign-in trade with Damon Severson. Two pretty big moves there for their back end. They already have Zach Renzi coming back, which is going to be great. They draft Adam Fantilli in the NHL draft, which is going to be pretty annoying, I think, for a long time if he turns out to be really good, which I think he is going to be awesome, by the way. But overall, when you look at how aggressive Yarmo Kekalainen was this offseason, do you think this is just him being like, okay, I got to do something to try and save my job here because – the team hasn't had a lot of success lately, or does he maybe just see the team closer to contending than I think a lot of the outside, you know, fans and media do? Yeah, I think it's, it's probably a little bit of both. I think, I think Yamakakalainen would go to his grave before he admitted that he was doing this to like save his job. You know, I think he will, he will swear up and down that he's doing this to improve the team. And it's such a weird, like the team is in such a weird place right now, because obviously they went and got Johnny Gaudreau, last season after finishing i believe they were what bottom t- a bottom 10 team in in the nhl after like season before last i wasn't yeah. expecting them to be any good this season they go out they get johnny Gaudreau. i'm like oh, okay maybe they're gonna be good they proceed to be even worse than last season because everyone is injured literally every single person gets injured um and so i'm kind of looking at this and i think a lot of outside people see this as a team that needs to continue to continue to rebuild but i think a lot of like blue jackets fans understand you know last see the, the blue jackets are a way better team than what they put on the ice last season they lost sakrensky 13 games in patrick line was in and out of the lineup with injuries elvis Mosleykins was the worst goalie in the league which statistically seems extremely unlikely um you know, there was a lot going on. They had, at one point, uh, their top defense pairing was Eric Branson and Andrew Peake. You know, like that's, 
that's that's a rough night on the blue line for for anyone's money. Um, yes. So you know, I think it's. I would I would bet that Yama thinks that this is just the, the logical next step, um, and I don't hate it in a vacuum. Like the the Provorov trade, I thought I didn't like giving up the first round pick, but I understand why they did it. The Severson sign and trade, I thought was fine. He's making a little bit too much money for too long for my liking, but whatever. That's what you pay for when you go out and get uh, get defensemen in for in free agency, which is essentially what this is. They had a big win at the draft, which I think probably accelerates that rebuild even more um but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting i think it's probably people are gonna see the blue jackets i'm gonna knock on wood here because the blue jackets are <laughs> healthy for this and that's what i do every time i talk about them being healthy uh they need to stay healthy and i think they're gonna take a bigger jump forward this season than a lot of people are expecting because i feel like a lot of people don't understand exactly what was so bad about last season and it was the Everyone was injured. Every single person on this team was injured. <laughs> well, d- despite our, our success over the past 15 or so years as Penguins fans, you don't have to tell us about injuries. We know those all too well. little shout out to my one of my favorites in Taylor Swift. Know that all too well. My question to you, though, is um, you, we brought it up a little bit there. One of the big offseason moves for the Blue Jackets was – in the three of us kind of talked about this before we hit record is one of the big offseason moves is bringing in Mike Babcock behind the bench, bit of a younger team in Columbus, you know, maybe they're not quite there yet. So what, what do you think this move says about where the franchise is right now? Is it the right call? Do you think this is a good second chance for him? What are your overall thoughts on bringing in Mike Babcock as the head coach of the blue jackets? I, I kind of go back and forth on it. When it first happened, I was vehemently against it. Like we did a we did a couple episodes where um, Hayden, my co-host, who who couldn't make it today uh, because of work scheduling, we kind of threw a couple of names around, and Babcock was one where I was like, "Nah, no thanks, don't want that." Like anyone but that. Um, and so he kind of went in a no pile immediately. And then there was a lot of back and forth on Elliot Friedman saying that Babcock was out and other people saying, no, he's still in. And then Friedman saying, well, now I'm hearing that he's still in. And he was, you know, he was, he was hired and then he wasn't. And it was a whole hokey cokey of, of coaching decisions. Um, the more I listen to him speak and the more I, I kind of pay attention to what he seems to be doing, the, the less wary I, I'm still wary. This is a very young team. Obviously he's had issues in the past with, you know, young players and, you know, bullying and things like that. He spent the last three years coaching in college. So hopefully he's learned, you know, a couple of things there about coaching young players. Um, The Blue Jackets, I believe, are the youngest team in the league, again, um, despite the fact that they got older this offseason. They are somehow (laughs) still still the youngest team in the league. Um, But I think what Babcock is going to bring is structure, which is something that they needed so very badly after after Brad Larson. Um, as to the the question about what this what the this means for where the team is, a couple of years ago they hired Brad Larson as coach, and I think they hired him because they knew the team was going to be bad. They didn't want to spend a lot of money on like Gerard Gallant was was in the conversation um, right up until he wasn't. He was going to command more money than Brad Larson, and you don't want to pay money to a coach if your team is going to suck. You know, so I think they were like, right, we're in a rebuild. We'll hire the new coach. We don't have to pay him anything. Um, and then he overachieved in that first season. 
I think the Blue Jackets were better than people expected. And then obviously last season was just god awful from a point of view, from like basically every metric. Um, and a lot of that was injury, but I think a lot of it was also poor coaching. Um, hiring a Babcock to me says that they are maybe overcorrecting a little bit on the, the effect that Brad Larson had. I think they're going a little bit too far in the other direction of players coach versus like GM's coach. Um, I think Babcock is going to hold them accountable. Whether that's a good thing is, you know, kind of, of up for debate because I tend to feel like you shouldn't have to go to work and be accountable by like being punished for making mistakes. But that's, you know, maybe I'm just colored by the Tortorella seasons. Um, I think Babcock will probably be fine. I just hope that he has learned from kind of his timeout of the NHL because like he did fine in Toronto. Um, obviously he was very good with the Red Wings, but like I could probably have coached the Red Wings to a, a Stanley <laughs> Cup in those in that time, you know. So unless we'll you play the Penguins, he's got he's got a, a half decent roster to work with. So we'll see how it goes. Right, and it, it's funny you you discussed this a little earlier on in, in the show, and you know from one team who has some goaltending questions to another, Elvis Merzlikens has his worst season of his career this past year: thirty games, only wins seven games. 4.23 goals against average, 8.76 save percentage. You weren't lying, Jay. Those are flat out awful numbers. Some of among the worst in the league, excuse me. And he signed for four more years at 5.4 million. And now that's more than Tristan Jari money right there. And I know he's a bit younger. Are you confident in him to bounce back this upcoming season? And if he does, you know, just how high do you think the ceiling rises for this team? Yeah, so this has been a big kind of topic of conversation on Locked On Blue Jackets. Uh, I don't think Elvis is going to be the worst goalie in the league. Um, if they can get league average goaltending out of Elvis, which um, I looked it up uh, the other day, is this season league average goaltending was a 904 save percentage. If they can get a 904 out of Elvis, I think that is enough to give this team a big boost. Um, the contract always looks rough, but I think what people don't remember is... He signed that contract, I believe, either immediately before or immediately after um, the passing of Matisse Kivlenics, which was obviously awful and traumatic and I think is still affecting him deeply even now. Um, so, you know, I think he had a really good rookie season. He goes out, he signs this contract extension. Everyone's excited. He's the goalie of the future. His best friend dies in front of him. And he's got to go to work where his best friend was every day and he's not there. And I think it's been a really tough couple of years for Elvis. Um, Blue Jackets picked up a new goaltending coach, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, not that Nicholas Backstrom. Um, the, the Finnish one is going to be uh, the, the goaltending coach for the Blue Jackets. I think that will help. Um, not that I think Manny Legacy did a bad job, but I think having a new voice in the room is probably good. Um, and... For the first time in his career, Elvis doesn't really have competition because it was always him versus Corpusalo. Um And I think he's either going to have to... It's, it's boom or bust for Elvis this season. You know, his backup is going to be Daniil Tarasov, who I believe is 22 years old and has about 15 NHL games under his belt. So if Elvis starts to struggle, there's a new kid right behind him and... The Blue, Jacket, the Blue Jackets need Elvis to be better than he was this season. I think he knows that. I think he knows that more than anyone. Um, people forget how good his rookie season was. 
he was very good in his rookie season. He had five shutouts in eight in the space of eight games in his rookie season. It was bonkers. I don't know that he's going to get back to that level, but like I said, if you can get you know a nine oh five, a nine oh four, a nine oh five out of Elvis, he might not be winning them games, but he's definitely not going to be losing them. And I think that's that's all they really need to ask of him because this this lineup feels like it's set up to score goals. You've got Patrick Laine, who hopefully is going to be healthy. I think he's potentially a 40-goal scorer. Karel Marchenko decided that he only scores goals now. Um, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, I think, will probably have a better season with consistent line mates. You add Adam Fantilli. A healthy Zakorensky is going to work wonders on the power play. Um, the Blue Jackets, I think, will score more goals this season. And so the, the goals that Elvis lets in, I think, will be less magnified because the Blue Jackets really, really struggled to score last season. And when you're not scoring... And then you're allowing goals like it's it's tough. Yeah, and we, we've said that on Locked on Penguins about goaltending is Tristan Jari doesn't need to be a Vesna candidate. He just mm. needs to not give games away. The Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper. Like, <laughs> you know, Darcy Kemper is a fine goalie, yeah. but... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, if he can do it, then, you know, surely... Tristan Jari should be able to, Elvis should be able to, like, we've seen it before. Good goaltending can really carry a team. Bad goaltending can really sink it. But I think average goaltending is underrated in this league, I think. Right. I mean, heck, I I was saying, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but Aiden Hill just won the Stanley Cup with the Vegas one night. Yeah. (laughs) He got a nice payday. You know, and in fairness, Aiden Hill was very good in the playoffs. He was. But... He's going to be a really fun, like, pub quiz question or, like, puck doku <laughs> square in, like, five years' time, you know? Of, <laughs> hey, who, was, who was the goalie for the start, for the Vegas Golden Knights when they won the Cup, you know? It's a really fun story, but um, do you guys have anything else, or should we do some some fun predictions? I got nothing else. Pat, you got anything? No, I my main th- I was going to ask about Fantilli, but you beat me to it, and then I got the Babcock. I mean, I will Babcock always talk question. more about Adam Fantilli. So <laughs> I was just going to ask how many backflips you did once you found out they got him. But as I can tell, just by the the grin you have, it's at least five. <laughs> I yeah, and like I've talked about it at length on Locked On Blue Jackets. So I won't go into too much detail, but like this is a franchise changing move. I would have been happy with Leo Carlson. I did a lot of research on Leo Carlson. Once I figured out the Blue Jackets were drafting third overall, I was like, okay, he's going to be great. And he is going to be very good in, in, in Anaheim. Adam Fantilli is the best NCAA player since Paul Correa. Like, he's Heard of him. doing stupid things in, in Michigan. I think he's going to be really, really good for this team. Um, I didn't do for any sure. backflips, but as we covered a little bit uh, ago off mic, I had had a lot of wine by the time the draft rolled around. <laughs> and I don't know that backflips would have been the best, but uh, needless to say, I'm very excited for Adam Fantilli to do for Penguins fans what Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby do for Blue Jackets fans for the next 17 years. Well, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're tempering so our expectations the... here at Locked on Blue Jackets, I promise. You, you um, went the opposite way that I was going to go. Hunter, I was just going to say, like, you know, if he, if he can even do a little bit of what he's done at the college hockey level in the NHL, that's that's an absolute win for the Blue Jackets franchise. For sure. And I do want to clarify, I'm not comparing him to Sidney Crosby. They're two very different players, but 
Yeah, you know, one of the, know, one of the just, best, just, one special, of the best of all time to a guy who just got drafted. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> give, give him, give him time. I'll give him time before I start comparing him to to the all time greats. Uh, let's take another quick break, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about how much of a nightmare the Metropolitan Division is going to be this season. Okay, we're back uh, with a special crossover episode of Locked On Blue Jackets, Locked On Penguins. I've got Hunter and Patrick from Locked On Penguins here, and. Uh, the Metropolitan Division appears to be the Thunderdome, again. We had a couple of years where it wasn't that bad, and now I'm looking like it's going to be a nightmare. Like, I think Hunter and I have talked about this on the national show. Like, there could there could be five playoff teams from this division. Yes. I mean, the Devils are going to be annoying this year. Annoyingly good, I think is the mm-hmm. way to say it. Jack Hughes, Nico Heeshear. Yeah, Timo Meyer there, Dougie Hamilton, their young goalie Schmidt is also very good. That their whole forward depth is just I know, I hate it. (laughs) I don't like and these aren't your devils from the 90s that are gonna trap their way to wins. No, that they're going to outskate you and they're gonna score quite a few goals. They're actually a fun team to watch now. And that that's gonna be quite the test for the Penguins and the Blue Jackets this upcoming season. The Hurricanes are gonna be really good yet again. They made a swath of moves this offseason bringing in some new forwards bringing in a whole bunch of defensemen i'm not really sure what don waddell is going to be doing before the season because it looks like they have eight or nine defensemen on the roster right now but that team is set up to be great the rangers you always know they're going to be there their forwards or at least the top end of their lineup is good i think they have a little bit of depth problems but the top end of the lineup is great adam fox is at least the second or third best defenseman on the planet right now i can't say enough good things about him. And when you have Igor Shostorkin, who is, I think at worst, the second best goalie in the league, you can win a lot of games. So they're going to be right up there as well. Got the Penguins, of course. Got the Islanders who made the playoffs this past season. Ilya Sorokin, I think, is a top three. I Honestly, my top three is probably Vasilevsky, Shostorkin, Sorokin. Sorokin is criminally good, and it's annoying that the Penguins will also have to face him probably the next 10 to 15 years with the way he plays against them. It's funny. If I were... If I would rather pick who I would face, I would pick Igor Shosturkin, and I can't even believe I'm saying that. Just that's just because of how Sorokin is played. Sometimes against. a goalie just has a team's number, like yes, and and vice versa. Like Sergei Bobrovsky against the Rangers for the last however many years, they just they have had his number every single game. You know, it's, you say that for the goalie too. just loves playing against a team or hates playing against a team. I mean, you can say that about the Penguins for the last two Rangers goalies, Henrik Lundqvist and Igor Shosturkin. The the Penguins have made both those goalies in the past 10 or so years look human. I mean, you look at their cup run in 2016 against Lundqvist and just they tortured him. And even though they lost the series two years ago against the Rangers, he looked decidedly human against the Penguins that opening round. But back to the point of the, the Metro, I mean, it just it's typical metropolitan division since this thing's inception in 2013 and 2014. Like it's just a dogfight top to bottom mm-hmm. because like you guys said, top two and three, top two to three is pretty much set. New Jersey, Carolina, the Rangers, and then everybody else is scratching and clawing. I mean, we just got done talking about it with you. The the Blue Jackets are going to be better this year. I don't know if they're a playoff team yet or not, but they're going to be in the, in the hunt. I think. Yeah, they'll be the only bad team in the Metro is Philly because Danny Briere finally said the dreaded R word in Philadelphia in rebuild, and that's always been my take with them over the past 
you know, decade or so is that's a team that has been a franchise that has been too proud to rebuild. They always want to stay in it, which is admirable. You, you don't want to put a subpar product out on the ice, but they have been so desperate for it. And now they're going to do it and they should, but that's one team in the division mm-hmm. one. And other than that, I mean, let's, let's, let's assume the top two spots are locked up with, with Carolina and the devils. So everybody else is fighting for the rest of the spots. And as much as it annoys me that the NHL loves the whole team first rivalries, don't promote your stars. Nobody's bigger than the game kind of thing. The Metro is the one division where that is absolutely true because Every team we play in the Metro, I'm just like, you know, I really don't like this damn team. I know. Every time I'm like, man, <laughs> I like those guys. Like, <laughs> when, really when we started to... this series, um, I was talking to my co-host and we were trying to decide who we should do, like, who we should reach out to first in all the Metro teams. And he was like, we should probably pick someone that we don't have beef with. And so I kind of ran through the teams in the Metro and I was like, well... Carolina, I guess we don't really have a lot of beef with, but like Penguins, beef, Rangers, beef, Devils, a lot of beef, mostly from their side because they're mad about Johnny Gaudreau still. Uh, <laughs> Capitals, beef, Islanders, beef. Like, it's, it's I would say the Hurricanes too. I don't think the Penguins really have too much beef with the Hurricanes. I mean, I know that Penguins swept them in the playoffs. That was also 14 years ago. Other than that, these two teams really. They seem to get along each time they play. I know the Hurricanes can play a little bit boring with their defensive zone structure, but the games are still pretty fun. But you, you said, it, Jay, Rangers obviously beef right now with the Penguins. That's probably their biggest rival right now. Washington, that's been for a long time. It's a little down right now. Flyers, that needs no introduction. The Islanders, me and Pat said all the time, always the freaking Islanders when something goes wrong for this franchise forever yes. not just recently forever Ugh, that franchise will always yes, I mean, even so Columbus, yeah, that's a big brother little brother thing but like we talked about we talked about before we hit record like there have been two columbus pittsburgh playoff series and both of them have this despite the outcomes right like i would love to sit here and be like oh we beat you but every time you guys have taken a chunk out of made us. you guys work for both of those victories. And and I would run away from those series going like, man, like they may be our little brother, but oh my God, they took a chunk out of us in that series. That yeah, 2014 one was good. Like I said, it's, it's they're going to meet in the playoffs again, probably in the next couple of years, I think. And I am both looking forward to it and not looking forward to it. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, let's let's wrap up here. Let's do a couple of, of predictions. Um, I've been asking um, each each host these. Uh, who is your pick for MVP of the Penguins this season? Like this upcoming season, who do you think your MVP is going to be? I have my answer. You go first. I'm going to go with Chris Letang. Uh, bearing health, I think given that he went through such a hellacious year last year with injuries and just everything off the ice. He is such a fierce competitor. You know, Crosby gets all the headlines for being the competitor that he is. And we all know it. It's well-written. It's, it's, it's well-known, but this is a very proud, very competitive man. And I think he wants to have a bounce back year. And I think add in the addition of Carlson, taking a little bit of the burden off of him, I think he's due for a gigantic, 
gigantic year. And we can't say breakout because he's a well-established player. Everybody knows who he is, but Crosby's going to be Crosby. Malkin's going to be Malkin. This is a big year for Chris Letang in, in my estimation. I'm actually going to go with Eric Carlson this year because you know he really wants to win a Stanley Cup. It's really been the one thing that's evading him throughout his career. And he comes to a situation where it's at least a winning one. They're not, the Penguins are not going to be as bad as the Sharks are going to be this year. God willing, they won't. And he's going to get, I think, 25, 26 minutes a night. Him and Crystal Tang will probably be on the ice individually, but combined. Combined 50 minutes out of the 60. I hope your third pairing doesn't want to play any any game. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get a little bit of time. You know, poor P.O. Joseph down there, Chad Weedle, Mark Freeman, Ty Smith, whoever's going to be on they can have They can have five minutes. It's fine. <laughs> They'll have a little bit of time just to, you know, make sure the pucks doesn't go in the back of the own net. And then the, the other two pairings can come out in the offensive zone and do their work. But Carlson, again, I don't think he's going to have 100 points. But I think he's going to get somewhere in that 75 to 80 point range. He's going to help the power play quite a bit. And I think they're going to start the season with Latang and Carlson. And he's also very much going to help the five on five play. This is a team that, you know, outside of the top six this past season, no one else really scored. Well, that changes now when you have someone like an Eric Carlson. And if you can put him with a defenseman who is defensively responsible, especially in Marcus Pedersen, or Ryan Graves, I think that's going to unlock him even more. He's not going to have to be the quote-unquote guy that he was with the Sharks this past season, but I still think he's going to have a ridiculous year for the Penguins and just be that other just great defenseman, I think, on the team. That's really what I'm trying to say because, again, the Penguins have really never had the situation that often in the big three era. I mean, sure, they had Sergey Gonchar and Crystal Tang on the same blue line, but Gonchar was a bit older. At that point, could still really run a power play, though. He was fantastic with that. And Letang was still a bit young and coming up. But with this, two defensemen who are great offensively, one I think is a little bit better than the other. I think Carlson is going to do it all on the blue line this year, and he's he's going to be great. And I have him as a team MVP this year. Both both solid choices. I literally answered this question last week, and I have no memory of, of who I picked because it <laughs> happened more than twelve seconds ago. So um, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go for Patrick Line. I think he had 52 points in 55 games this season, and that was mostly not healthy. Um, if he starts clicking, if he gets consistent line mates, um, he's 40, maybe a 50 goal scorer in this league. Um, and I think he's going to get consistent line mates. So that's, that's, that's my pick. Um, we'll wrap up one last question. You're not allowed to pick the penguins. Who's winning the cup this season? The Dallas stars. I, I love the stars, man. Like they have that perfect mix of those young players with that, you know, older veteran group. I mean, Jamie Ben had a career renaissance this past season. And no, I'm not going to make a Jamie Ben joke on the show. Tyler Sagan was also great. You have the young guys, Miro Haskinen, who I think is one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. Jason Robertson just had an unreal year. He's going to continue to rise the ranks of one of the best players in the league. Rupe Hintz, he is awesome. The fact that the Stars were able to draft these guys as Ben and Sagan got older and now – they're here and they're playing at this level. That just goes to show how great of a job they've done 
drafting. And you have Jake Ottinger, who I think is one of the five to seven best goaltenders on the planet. He's in that, that he's not in the top three, but he's in that five to seven range. They have a good mix of depth forwards. Some young players, as I said, their defense, I also think is pretty solid. Pete DeBoer, I don't think he's that good of a coach, but he usually gets the most out of his teams early on in his tenures. I love the Stars heading into this season. I think they're going to win the Cup. Grab your rotten fruit and get ready to throw it. I'm picking Toronto. <laughs> I, I, again, it's, I think they're finally going to break through. I really do. Boston's on the way down after everything they've had happen this offseason. It just feels like that year, too, because, like, it's mostly the same roster. They've had some really good, really sneakily good additions in guys like Domi. And I think as much as I don't like the signing on the ice, I think Ryan Reeves is a good locker room guy for them because you've heard it. You've heard whispers about them in their locker room kind of being fractured a little bit a little bit there's clicks it's these guys hang out these guys hang out they don't hang out together as a group reeves has said publicly like if i'm in the locker room and i'm around the team it's a team it, there is no this group of players hangs out and goes out and these guys don't join them that's something i think they've missed and as much as i hate intangibles and blah 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 like i just think this looks like a year where they didn't need to make any big moves and i know dubis goes out and they go and get a different gm and all that but they made the right moves this offseason they didn't need to freak out and tear it all down and rebuild because just hockey happens man it's a random sport you can't predict it and they have all the pieces they need and they actually have some goaltending now so if there's ever a year for Toronto to do it, this feels like it could be one for them. Yeah. If it's not this year, I don't think it will happen. No, I, I think if, if they, it feels weird to say that this is kind of their last hurrah. When you look at how young the core is minus like the shambling corpse of, of John Tavares. <laughs> but if it's not this year, I don't know if, if it'll be any year. And I'd agree. Um, I would I agree, agree with, with that. I agree with Hunter. Um, in terms of the the cup winner, as much as it pains me to admit it, Oxon Blue Jackets listeners know the Dallas Stars are my nemesis. Why? Couldn't tell you. Sometimes you just have a team in the other conference that you hate, um, and it's it's the Stars for me. And I hate that they're good. I hate that they have Joe Pavelski, who I love. Um, I hate that they were lucky enough to get Jason Robertson. Like it's it's just such a good team, and I'm so mad about it. Um, but Toronto Dallas to uh, play like a Stanley Cup final could be interesting um that'd be great hockey it'd be fun hockey but also i would hate it i would hate every minute of it (laughs) um if people want to i can't in good conscience recommend that people go check out locks on penguins because obviously uh but if people do want to um we didn't even get to talk about my nemesis jake gensel in this episode if they want some jake gensel talk uh where can people find you guys and your show you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Pat's Twitter is at Synonym for Wet. You can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins, or I guess we're calling it X now, but I'm still just going to call it Twitter. And you can find the show wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Sirius XM, all that good stuff. I was going to ask you, Jay, do the Blue Jackets win a game in Pittsburgh this year for the first time in almost a decade? God, I hope so. <laughs> I know I put that in the little side thing and then forgot about it. God, I hope so. They they won they won a game against the Penguins this season, so like maybe they'll maybe they'll go one further and win one in Pittsburgh. 
Who can say? Uh, you can find Locked On Blue Jackets wherever you get Locked On Penguins. Uh, we're on all podcasting platforms. We're on YouTube, Sirius XM. You can find me at underscore Jacob Foster, J-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find my co-host, who's not here right now, uh, Hayden at Hayden H971. Thanks for listening. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets and Locked on Penguins are free and available wherever you want to go. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Until tomorrow or whenever the next episode comes out, because I don't know when this is going live yet. Make sure you stay locked on.